You're listening to The Sermon Until the End of the Age from the sermon series True Truths and a Lie by Lead Pastor Dan Krause from Brian Baptist Church, originally taught on Sunday, May 21st, 2023. Good morning, everybody. There's a table here. I'm gonna... <laughs> we live at a time where, in some ways, I think it feels like the church is lost. I hear lots of things said, some with good motivation, probably all with good motivation, but that would allude to the fact that, or the belief that this world is just too far gone. Now, I will admit that this world has its problems. I I will give you that it seems as though evil is moving and growing throughout our society and throughout this world. I, I will give you that in some ways it feels like we are on our heels just a little bit. But my friends, God is still able... And the church is still mighty, so much so that not even the gates of hell can stand before her. Friends, God is not done yet because there is air in our lungs. God has a plan and a purpose. Our God is holy. Our God is mighty. Our God is great. He's not looking at the next election saying, oh my, whatever will I do if we don't win? Church, we need to stop being defeated. We need to stop thinking that the war is lost and we're just going, God, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Listen, that's a good desire for us to have. The Bible tells us we should look for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And friends, I am looking for that day with excitement, with anticipation. I cannot wait for it. But until He comes, we have a job to do. And we can't say, oh, we're losing, we're losing, come quickly and save us. No, we keep pushing forward because that's what God has left us here to do to move the gospel to where it is not already so just a quick warning I've had a lot of coffee (laughs) we are in this series if Isaiah is going to do those old songs like that I'm going to just get fired up every time anyways Um, We're doing this series called Two Truths and a Lie, and every week we've uh, started off the sermon with a different staff member coming up and uh, playing the game with you all, the two truths and a lie. And uh, tonight we have, if you didn't know already, we have this multicultural dinner um, at 5 o'clock, so before the business meeting. And some people um, like to get into the spirit of those kind of things more than others. Uh, Pastor Bill, would you come join me real quick? (laughs) This is, uh, I like your outfit. That's nice. Well, I only get to wear it every three or four years yeah. when they come to visit. So. That may be too often. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to have fun with this today. So two truths and a lie. Two let's truths see, and a lie. Let's see if you can trick everybody and be a better. Okay, all right. These three situations all come from when I was in junior high school. 
all right? But I think some of you can identify. The first one was, um, I delivered newspapers for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and they had a promotional contest going on, and I won a trip to the Cleveland Browns preseason camp at Hiram College in Hiram, Ohio, and I met and got the autograph of Jim Brown. Significant because he just went to be with, uh, well, he died this week. I don't know where he went. <laughs> so uh, that, that's my first experience. Second experience, I was also in Boy Scouts, uh, Troop 217 in Bedford, Ohio, and uh, I was part of a group from the Cleveland area that went to Fort Benning, Georgia, to the uh, uh, airborne and uh, ranger camps there for a week. And they taught us all kinds of things. We spent a couple of days learning the basics of uh, parachuting, jumping off a, uh, a five-foot platform to learn how to hit the ground and roll. And then uh, in the ranger school, we, I shot a 30 caliber machine gun and a M1 Garand rifle and a 1911 <laughs> And then we finished it off by uh, camping out overnight in, uh, in the wilderness down there in Georgia. Sec that was the second experience. Third experience is um, I really enjoyed school. I loved going to school. I loved it because of lunchtime and gym class and industrial arts. And I loved industrial arts. I loved making things with my hands. <laughs> I don't get up here too often. And so one of our projects in, in eighth grade industrial arts was to make an electric motor. And we made it out of all the materials we had in class. It wasn't a kit that you put together. You had to bend steel and so forth. And I was the first one done with the electric motor, and it ran. That was the key. It had to run. It wasn't just getting done first. It had to run. And I won the grand prize of $1. So, my, my three experiences, Jim Brown's autograph, Fort Benning, Georgia, and uh, uh, electric motor in industrial arts class. Not a clue. You are, you are so good at this game, I'm actually quite nervous. A good liar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is last week we had Kelly Canfield, who is like the worst liar I've ever seen in my life. And then we've got today an expert. I was practicing. <laughs> I was practicing. <laughs> Number one is the lie. Who has no idea? Who thinks number two? Oh, quite a few. And number three. All right, which one's the lie? Number one is the lie. I never, I never met Jim Brown or got his autograph. <laughs> but I was at Fort Benning, Georgia and shot machine guns. And Wow. Yeah. Good. It was an excellent time. I'll take that. Thank you. I love when Pastor Bill's in the office. You just, you just never quite know what we're going to hear. So thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. The following that I'm going to read comes from the Revival Library. There is such a thing. In 1900, a revival broke out among South African soldiers. 
who had been captured by the British and transported to various British colonies. At the conclusion of the war, in 1902, they returned to South Africa and the revival returned with them. Gypsy Smith uh, reaped a great harvest there in 1904. In Japan, during 1900, the church doubled in size as revival swept through many ailing churches. In 1902, Tory and Alexander conducted meetings in Melbourne, Australia, resulting in over 8,000 converts. The news spread like wildfire, igniting a passion for prayer and a fresh expectation for God to work in similar ways everywhere. In 1904, Tory and Alexander were in Cardiff, Wales, and in the light of a minimal response to the gospel, they called for a day of prayer and fasting. Suddenly, things changed dramatically, and thousands were converted over the next 12 months. On the day of prayer and fasting, it became evident that the Holy Spirit was, was at work. In a meeting conducted by Seth Joshua, here the Welsh revival began, and in September 20, it was September 22nd, 1904. After a very few weeks, there were 10,000. After a couple of months, there were 30,000. When six months had passed, there were 70,000 new Christians. And after nine months, the figure leapt to around 100,000 converts. That Welsh revival had global impact, spilling over to several other countries. And it went on and on. I don't believe that the church should spend too much talk, time talking about our old glory days. I believe that the church should be thinking about the future. You see, it's good to go back and look and to see what God has done, but we look to go back to see what God has done because He can do it again. We look to see what God has done so that we can have a fresh vision, that we can be freshly inspired. Church, do we believe that God is able? You know, Tori and Alexander... They didn't get the result that they wanted. They could have packed up and went home. They could have said, you know what, God's, God isn't working here right now. Let's, let's knock the dust off our feet and let's go. And nobody would have blamed them. They were having success and seeing people come to Christ all over the world. But it was a stalemate here. But what did they do? They said, no, God, you're bigger than this stalemate. We're going to have a day of prayer and fasting. And we are going to be expectant that you, through your Holy Spirit, will move throughout this land. And because of that, there will come this tidal wave of gospel proclamation throughout the world. And we're not going to leave until that happens. Church, what if we had that same passion? What if we had that same faith? What if we had that same expectation today? We should because we serve the same God. And the world desperately needs to hear the gospel. Church, the gospel is an offensive weapon against the forces of evil. We are not to be on our heels waiting for it to be over but driving forward, penetrating darkness with the light. Guys, I looked and I read the rest of the Bible. We're on the winning team. Let's start acting like it. I want to look today, hopefully with fresh eyes, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. But before I do, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, You are a mighty God. You are holy you are set apart. 
You are mighty. God, as I think about my own life, I think, wow, you could save a wretch like me. What can you do in the lives of others? God, I pray for a a fresh vision, a fresh inspiration. I pray that we become an expecting church, coming here on Sunday mornings, expecting your spirit to move, and leaving here, expecting him to continue to move in our lives, and in our neighborhoods, and in our families, in our community, in our schools, in our government. Because God, you are greater than the forces of evil. You are greater than he who is in the world. God, may your spirit give us power and courage and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. You know it as the Great Commission. Jesus says, I'm going to go ascend to the Father, but first I have this message, instructions for you. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you notice he doesn't stop short of the end of the age and say, I will be with you right up until those last days. He says, I will be with you until the end of this age. And this spirit of the two truths and a lie, our, our lie today is this, the world is beyond saving, it's just too late. The world is beyond saving, it's just too late. Now, I don't think anybody would ever say that within the church but I fear we believe it, or at least in part. I'm going to step away from my normal hockey illustrations today, you'll be glad to hear, and go to a sport more of you are familiar with, football. 2017, the Atlanta Falcons held a commanding 28-3 lead over the New England Patriots with just 17 minutes remaining in this Super Bowl. If you watch football, you know what happens. New England has this dramatic comeback and somehow does what seems to be the impossible the game was over with 17 minutes to go in a 25 point lead nobody thought that they could come back not even tom brady could bring this team back from the deficit in that amount of time what does a coach tell a team down by 25 points with 17 minutes to go in the biggest game that football knows in the super bowl Guys, let's just finish strong. Let's just finish strong. Let's just stick to the plan. How how do you motivate a team that is losing so badly? You have to instill some belief in them, right? And you have to have some wins along the way, some good plays, and all of a sudden, this, this feeling of, we might be able to do this. We might be able to pull this off starts to grow. Friends, I feel like some of us feel like right now, that we're down by 25 with 17 minutes to go. Jesus is returning. What's done is done. Who knows him knows him. Who doesn't is lost. That's just too bad. You guys, if we might be 
we might feel like we're getting beaten, but the, but the game is still not over. Jesus has still not returned. He is still all-powerful. He is still mighty. He can still save. He can still transform lives. And he does every single day. I'm afraid that some of us in the church have unintentionally adopted a defeated attitude. It seems whenever the topic of depravity in the world comes up, there comes a woe-is-me attitude within the church. Church, it should not be that way. The church is and will be victorious. Jesus will return, and it's good for us to look to that day. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Friends, he is returning. And we ought to be ready for that return. Matthew 24.27, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. We don't know when that time is going to be, but we should be ready. And yes, the world is sinful and seems to be progressing in the wrong direction. But friends, that is nothing new. 2 Timothy 3.13, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Even some pastors are good at it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Things are bad, and depravity seems to be growing and taking root in our society and in our culture. But that doesn't mean that we're destined for it to continue along that path. What if God raises up the church and brings, his re brings revival again? Let's stop thinking about waving the white flag and put on the armor of God and go a full assault against the enemy because our children and our grandchildren need a fair shot at the gospel. If God saved you, he can save them. How should we act in light of the return of Jesus coming? 2 Peter 3, 10-13, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved? And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus is coming. We don't know when. We need to be ready. Remember that series in Revelation? That's what we need to know. But guys, when I am found by God, if I am alive when Jesus returns, when I am found, I would like to be found being busy about his work. Not waving a white flag saying, oh, woe is me, things have gotten too bad. Our first truth of the two truths and a lie is this, the Great Commission is for the church today. It is for the church today. I'm going to read that again, uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How do we know that the Great Commission is just as much for us today as it was for the disciples back when Jesus was speaking to them? Because it's not the end of the age. He hasn't returned. We are still living in the midst of this church age, and Jesus is still with us. In fact, he sent his comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come, not just to be somewhere in the earth, but to dwell within the believer. The power of God is in the Christian. I love that this text is as relevant for us today as it was with the disciples when he spoke it. It's as if Jesus is speaking to you directly. Because he is. He is. Christians often wonder what Jesus would say to them if they were to face, be face to face with him right now. What words would Jesus say? I'm sure there would be things about forgiveness and mercy and grace. But undoubtedly there would be this charge that he gave some 2,000 years ago. That we ought to be sharing our faith that we ought to be preaching christ and him crucified and resurrected that we ought to be discipling people helping them take steps to be more like jesus which implies we are doing that as well the fact that we are closer than ever to the return of jesus doesn't get us out of the commandment to share our faith with others in fact it should spur us on all the more what if what if these are the last days what if Jesus does return during our lifetime? How, church, do we want to be found? With a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, men and women martyred for their faith. Standing before people who want to kill them and then do kill them. These are our cloud of witnesses. What would they say about us? Woe is me, the world is evil. Whatever will we do? No. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God, and the church is a mighty force that the gates of hell can't even stand against. Are you, church, following Jesus' clear instructions for you, for me? Are we following these instructions? Are we so busy with everything else that's going on that we just never really get around to it? Have you thrown up your hands in disgust with the world and given up on our duty to glorify God by winning souls? Jesus didn't say, if you guys get around to it, if you're not too busy, I know you have a lot going on. Peter, you like to fish. If you have some time between being out on the boat, maybe you could share the gospel with somebody. It'd be great. It's the same commission for us today as it was for his disciples 2,000 years ago. The first truth, the great commission is for the church today. And the second truth is this. God is still up to great things all over this world. Do you know that, that, that God is doing incredible things through the church all over the world? You know, again, I, I just want you to have this fresh vision and this fresh um, inspiration today 
that God isn't completed what he has set out to complete through the church, that God is still winning souls, that the church is still a force to be reckoned with, that we have not been defeated by evil, that, that light is still more powerful than darkness, that God can still use regular people to do incredible things through the power of His Holy Spirit who indwells them. Did you know that God isn't finished yet? Did you know that God is, seeing, is doing some incredible things all around this world? Do you know J.J. Alderman, our missionary to Togo, who, who now is an initiative uh, leader with, with the Timothy Initiative, J.J., if you don't know the story, he grew up as a missionary uh, a kid in, in northern Togo. And as an adult, he went to southern Togo and decided to plant a church. Uh, seven years later, they decided we're going to plant a second church. After 13 years, there's something like 27 churches where witch doctors are burning idols and people are coming to Christ in the land that is the home and the birthplace of voodooism. Guys, God isn't finished. He's still doing incredible things. I, I mentioned the Timothy Initiative. I met with their founder, David Nelms. Uh, uh, by the way, Scott Wrightout, who was the president of Converge, now works with, he's the a, he's a COO of the Timothy Initiative, and J.J. Alderman also works uh, with them as well. Do you know they're mapping out every village in the world, working with other missionary uh, organizations, and they're mapping out every village in the world, and they have a plan to place a church in every village in the world. God isn't finished yet. He's still doing the impossible. He's still performing miracles by taking people from death unto life. I told you in February I was in the United Kingdom and, and, and uh, there was this great darkness and it was almost really depressing and this palpable feeling of evil. And you know, when I think about these revivals that happened in the UK a hundred years ago and it just makes you want to just cry. But sitting behind me in Christ Church, Liverpool, was this young Iranian who was just in Liverpool just to go get a college degree when he came to know Christ. I got to pray with him for his, his father and his siblings back in Iran, that they too might come to Christ. There are people all over the Middle East who are coming to faith. Guys, there are things happening in this world that if we only look up and look around that we can see and get a fresh dose of inspiration of, you know what, God isn't finished yet. Yes, this world is dark and evil in so many ways, but the light still exists, and light still penetrates darkness. So many things that are happening. I want to introduce you to a, a couple of people this morning as we're going to wrap up with, with, a, with a couple of interviews. Uh, we have a, this wonderful couple, Dan and Tina Gibbs, who are uh, here from Nigeria. You guys want to come on up? Go ahead and give them a hand. I first met Dan and Tina when I, when I had first got to um, Ohio in February of 2020. <laughs> they were getting ready to come for a visit. And uh, um, do you guys want to come over here? They'll put a couple stools out for you. Yeah. And uh, I was looking so forward to meeting them in person, and then I ended up in, stuck in Alaska for several months and missed them. So this is the first time I get to meet you guys in person um, and not on a video screen. This is much better. Yeah. So um, I, I just want to quickly... 
give us the, the, the 30,000 foot version of you know, who you are, what, where, you're, where you're at, what you're doing. Uh, we serve in Nigeria, in a very remote part of Nigeria. By the way, um, going back to the Matthew verse, um, it says, take the gospel to all nations, and that's literally translated all ethnic groups. In Nigeria, we have over 530 ethnic groups, so we have a large task ahead of us in Nigeria. But anyway, we're from Minnesota. We've been in Nigeria for uh, nine years, and uh, we have two children, uh, both boys, uh, 35 and or 36 and 38. Um, time has gone on, but um, uh, we had uh, um, been in the the business world. Um, I had been in the business world. Tina had been an early childhood director for uh, many years, and uh, we went to Nigeria nine years ago. So uh, that just tells you that uh, it's not too late for uh, any of you to go. It's getting close for some of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you it's guys, never too late. We have a video that we're going to put on our social media later yes. today um, that shows where you guys are at, all the buildings. Uh, quickly, what, what is it that you guys do in Nigeria? So, so basically, uh, we're Nigeria is a very populous country. There's over 240 million people living in Nigeria now, and uh, we're uh, in this remote uh, village. And we're uh, the ministry started out as an HIV/AIDS ministry, and it's developed from that. And now we have a full hospital. Uh, we have over 100 Nigerians that work for the organization, and uh, and we're the only white people there, uh, the only non-Nigerians in in that area, and so. Uh, we're training uh, Nigerians to reach Nigerians. That's our, our task. Um, we, the hospital, we have probably 70 people that work in the hospital, but they're really just, uh, we're training Nigerians to reach out to the other Nigerians and be able to uh, share the gospel with them. And that's what our task is, is to train nationals. So business world, you had your career in business, and you guys decided to take a vision trip to Nigeria. And Tina, it just went so well that you're like, I have to come back. Is that what happened? Pretty much. When God speaks to you, you listen. So during that trip, um, I got shot with the AK-47. And um, I was praying because I thought they were going to come kidnap us. And um, I heard God say, uh, this is where I want you. I'll take care of you. And Dan had a similar experience while he was driving the vehicle that um, had overheated to where we were going. So when God speaks to you, even though it doesn't really seem to the, to the world, um, that has been a reassurance to us um, all through Ebola and all kinds of other weird stuff going on there. Was it, is it worth it? Definitely. When you're in God's plan, there is nothing better. There, there isn't. When I think if we would have thought, oh, I don't think that was God. I think that was, you know, I was in shock or something when I heard, you know, this is where I want you. I'll take care of you. Had I listened to anyone else in our church, um, pretty much we wouldn't have gone back. But if it, if it was up to me... Um, but we didn't because we knew God was calling us. And what, God has a call on each of us. Wherever you are, we have people that, you have people that you can reach that other people cannot and don't have a say with. 
and um, it's been a huge blessing, and it's been definitely worth it. Dan, can I ask you a couple questions I didn't warn you about? I'm gonna anyways now. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so the, the you can have permission. Thank you. The ministry that you guys um, lead, it's not just like some small thing in a shack. Can you tell me how many employees that, that, that you guys have? Basically, we have 100 employees that work for us. Um, it's uh, 90, 98 or 99, anyway. It's almost 100. And this is, they're doctors and nurses and security people, and we have a lot of people in the organization that work for us. And uh, we're, we're right um, close to Cameroon. If you, you uh, uh, know Nigeria, we're on the, on the east coast, or east, uh, not coast, east border. And uh, Cameroon is very... Uh, very close to us, and, and we've had a lot of refugees that have been coming into our area now. There's been a, a, a lot of crisis in Cameroon, so we're dealing with a lot of refugees too. So we're just, again, our, our uh, task there is to equip and train Nigerians. A any idea of like, how many people come through your doors throughout the year? Uh, so going back a couple years, uh, uh, in 2019, we had uh, over 20,000 people, or uh, up right at 20,000 people, that came through um, to get appointments in the the uh, hospital, and uh, and and then there was more that came through the, our guest house and restaurant, and um, and then uh, COVID hit, and we in 2020 we uh, we dropped that number down to about uh, uh, under 9,000, and so it, it we. We didn't have any cases of COVID in the area, but it did drop our numbers down. And I think last year we had about 15,000, so it's coming back up, but not to the extent it was before. We also affect people through our, our after-school reading program and our English program, as well as our technical tra training program. So... Um, there's touch points all over the community. And we're doing, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the WANA clubs, but, but uh, they've rewritten the curriculum for uh, international missions. And so we're, uh, we have uh, uh, a coordinator that's working with the WANA clubs, and we have about 20 WANA clubs that are going out in the churches. And, uh, and so uh, those clubs, they maybe have 25 or 30 in each one of those clubs that are, are really, um, their children mostly age 4 to 14, and they're just getting the gospel, a, a real straight, clear message of the gospel. And they, they, they play games first, and that draws them in, and then they get the gospel story, and they memorize verses. So in light of the sermon, talking about God still being fully active and, and using the church as a force in this world, in what ways have you seen, have you been seeing God doing that any movement there in Nigeria? Well, certainly with the Awana program, um, we're, we're seeing really a God movement uh, through that Awana program. But in our compound with our staff, uh, we're even seeing a, a movement. Um, and so uh, you can. Um, I've been teaching a young woman, Barry, who, um, how to read for about six years. And she was in our Bible study group. We've had a Bible study for a couple of years now. And we talked about what is, what is a Christian. Well, during the Bible study, we found out that Christian was a derogatory term in the Bible. What Jesus has called us to is to be his disciple. We are to love God and to love others as ourselves. So talking about that, um, we, uh, Barry is a young mother 
the one that I've been teaching English, and her husband, Emmanuel, um, they realize, they grew up in Christian homes. They go to church every time the church is, is open. They do whatever the pastor tells them to do, but they have never heard that they should have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't know that was a thing. So they accepted Jesus, and watching them grow and learn has been very exciting. Also watching some of the other staff in our, um, our Bible study group has been really exciting because they're on in leadership in their denominations, and their denominations are pros prosperity gospel. And they're saying, our church isn't preaching the Bible. What do we do with this information? So we're excited to get back to see, see how things are going. And we're working on, a, on continuing a disciple-making movement because um, there's so many misled in our area. They say they're Christian, but they don't realize um, they don't know Jesus. It's really exciting to just see those people that, that, um, that are, are Christians in quotes, and a, a lot of people in America are, are Christians in quotes, and uh, to, to really uh, understand, help them understand what it means to be a disciple, what it means to really follow Christ, and, and to see that, that light go on and, and to be able to, to uh, train them to s serve Christ. That's awesome. And, and just so you guys know, right after the service, when we conclude here in just a minute, you can you can meet with them out in the lobby and and, and find out, get a card, I think, to, yeah. to know how to be praying for you. Yeah. So I, I want to just highlight this. If you don't do anything else, pick up one of these here. It just it's a, a starter on how to pray. And so just go through the alphabet and give you something to pray for uh, every letter of the alphabet and use it to pray for your pastor or whatever and uh, and or pray for us. But like A is anointing. Pray that God will set Dan and Tina apart through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, empowering them to minister to those held captive by sin. See Acts 10.38. So this is just a good starting point. Sometimes we have a hard time praying for missionaries because we, we don't know what to pay for. So God bless the missionaries. <laughs> so um, so pray for your pastor. Use this it, it, use tool however you, you can, but, but uh, come and pick one of these up. Great, yeah, and, pick that up for sure. I'm going to ask two people to come up now, well, two groups of people. I'm going to ask, you guys stay where you're at. Uh, Savannah, if you'd come up and if the band would join me as well, um, when I'm done with, uh, with, with introducing Savannah, we'll, we'll have our last song. Um, would one of you just give Savannah a microphone to come up? So Savannah, uh, uh, Clint Saban and I were part of a uh, um, missionary assessment center uh, for Converge, I don't know, several months ago. And uh, you've met Bailey, who, uh, who is now in Togo, and you helped get there. Uh, the other young woman who's going to Togo uh, has been actually on our staff for the last two months um, as, as an intern in our kids' ministry, and that's Savannah. Savannah, thanks for coming up. Uh, you've got just one more week with us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where are you from? I'm from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, and my home church is in Charleston, so I lived in Charleston for a few years. Yeah. yeah. So for one thing, I just want to say thank you for being with us for the last two months. You've been an incredible blessing. Everybody in children's ministry is saying can we just, you know, maybe ask God to not send her to Togo and we could just keep her here? Um, and I did ask, and, and he, he and you both said no. So that's, that's good. So when are, when are you supposed to go? Oh, the first week of August is my... First week of okay. August, so we're coming up soon. And what will you be doing in Togo? I'll be working with the kids' ministry and the deaf ministry while I'm over there. I thought for how long? For two years, I'll be doing the residency program. So the first year will kind of look like 
me learning how to communicate with them, learning sign language and learning French. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, uh, how much you had to raise support and everything to go, how, how close are you to being fully funded? I'm like 95% funded, so super close. There's just a little bit of a push, and then I'll be there. What's the number that you need? I need 3000 3000 bucks, guys. Between this service and next, I think we can cover that. Um, so Savannah will be in the lobby as well. If you're like, you know what, I want to help get Savannah to Togo. And um, so, so the Lord will utilize her there um, uh, as planned. Please see Savannah and let her know. Um, but I, I have no doubt that this church, as generous as we are, that we will get her to that goal today. I want to pray for you guys, and we'll have another song of worship, and then we'll dismiss. God, we just thank you for being a mighty God. We thank you for being able. God, I confess that at times it feels as though we are defeated. And I thank you for the reminder, the prompting of your spirit to remind me that you are not done yet that you are not finished, that you are not defeated, that the enemy will not get the final say, that darkness will never win over light, that you are and always will be victorious and you have anointed the church in such a way that again, the gates of hell cannot even stand against her. God, you're doing amazing things in Mansfield, Ohio. You're doing amazing things in America. And God, you're doing amazing things all throughout this world. We thank you for it. We proclaim your victory. And God, we thank you that you would allow us to be a part of us of, of that victory. Forgive us when we doubt and give us a fresh vision, a fresh inspiration, and a fresh motivation to see you work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.